to our brand new show It's not that complicated, so listen close We'll go through IMDB Reviewing all of Tom Hanks' movies Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank, Hanks Bank Hanks Bank Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious even though we've forgiven him for his coronavirus diagnosis if he says them loud enough he'll always sound precocious Supercalifragilistic Tom Hanks accents are atrocious dum the lily I'm the light I'm the lily I'm the light James- hello and welcome to Hanks Bank the show where we got logic <laughs> Tom Hanks' entire IMDb. I'm Jamie Loxton, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Al Gillespie. Say hello, Al. Hello, Al. Jamie, they might as well call me One Take Al, all right? That's, yeah, that's yeah, that definitely skill. wasn't the second take. Absolutely. You didn't stumble on the second word on the first take. Absolutely not. Well done. That's that's probably more effort than you've done for this podcast in months. So. Whoa, Jamie, <laughs> have we forgotten the time I did the entire podcast by myself, my friend? Uh, yes, that yes, was sorry. Way I, two months ago. That was actually very unfair. You did so much effort for that. <laughs> Go back and listen to the Tom Hanks Mystery Power if you want to know what we're talking about. Um, So, Alexander, before we get started, you may notice uh, last week, uh, you know, I already said I was feeling pretty loose. I was holding the mic in my hand. I am holding the mic in my hand again this week, but that's not because last week I thought it went so uh, deliciously well that I thought I would never need a mic stand again. Um, It is because my neighbour is having a garden party with a full DJ. And, And the normal place that I record is right next to that garden uh, and thus i've had to move and go into my bedroom uh, where it is 34 degrees outside and my bedroom is the warmest room in the house so literally just before we started recording i turned off the fan and immediately started dripping with sweat so it's going to be a fun record for me today mm-hmm. now you might say that i'm angry on a personal level uh, because of the inconvenience has been caused to me you might say that i'm angry because you know, maybe having a garden party in the middle of a pandemic isn't the most advisable thing to do. And maybe having a DJ which might draw attention to your garden party even more is even less advisable. But who am I to say I am but a humble podcaster? (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, all we're saying is if you send a sneaky text to the police midway through just so you can get back to your normal spot, I think everyone understands, all right? I think everyone (laughs) understands safety first you can also just lean out the window and go off you bunch of coronavirus wankers um, um i can almost guarantee that i will not be doing uh, any three minute squats today um mm-hmm. i am i am already sweating as much as i did after doing uh three minutes of squats last week uh, how is it in canada is it as as unbearable um, no, it was quite hot for a while, and then it started raining a couple of days ago, and it's definitely been that kind of realm since. And you know what, Jamie? I love it. I've been chatting with people on the phone, and every time I start on the phone, I'm like, ain't it lovely weather? It's raining. You know what? I would like <laughs> weather rides? Rain. People, especially Americans, uh, and North Americans in general, but I'm going I'm to apply this more to, to USA Americans rather than Canadian Americans or Mexican Americans or Central Americans, uh, like to complain about British weather a lot. As though it's not just better than American weather. But let me tell you what, my friend. The lack of blizzards. Great. You know what sucks? (laughs) Blizzards. The lack of 
Deserts, also great. Who wants to be in a desert, my friend? When it gets to 36 degrees, people start dying. That's bad. We don't have central air conditioning, and it's much cheaper not to have central air conditioning and just have colder weather. So Americans, uh, look, I'm really sorry. You gave us Walt Disney, but uh, you also have bad weather because it's too good. It's too good your weather, and therefore bad. And, you know, I don't know if it counts as weather, but I follow quite a few people on Twitter who uh, all live in the Los Angeles area, a place that is very much heralded for its weather. But around about four times a month, they will tweet, whoa, that was a crazy earthquake. And you know what? I think I can accept it being 10 degrees colder (laughs) most of the time and not having earthquakes. I think that's an acceptable trade-off. Yeah, it's like... Oh, you have rain, boo. And it's like, the rain's fine. I've got a thing called a roof. That's not a problem to me. <laughs> yeah, ge- generally I can survive survive in the rain. I don't know how I would fare in an earthquake. I once went to a museum where they simulated an earthquake and it was terrifying and I knew nothing was happening. So I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a place that regularly wakes you up because shit starts falling off the walls. As a kid, uh, I lived in a small... Islands, uh, and there was a maritime museum, which is the thing you have on small islands, and I guess places by the sea too. But folks, places by the sea. I was on a small island, everywhere's by the sea, and they had a um, big pirate ship simulator in there, which sounds really fun. Sounds like a place kids would go running around. Not really. Instead, it was a room with hammocks designed to look like the kind of inner decks of a pirate ship, um, which would just rock like a pirate ship. <laughs> and I just remember really intensely the horrific sense of seasickness I got from standing in that room. And you know what? Uh, museum curators, you're sick people. You're sick people, my friend. You made my friend Jamie terrified of earthquakes. You made me terrified <laughs> of pirate ships. That's an illogical fear. As we know from Captain Phillips, pirate ships are an absolutely lovely place. Yeah. Um, also, when you started that sentence, uh, I grew up on a small island. I for a second forgot that you grew up on Jersey and just thought you were referring to the United Kingdom as a small island. I grew up on this on this small island. You may have heard of it. Uh, the United uh, Kingdom. Uh, we maybe uh, conquered the world for a while and uh, completely <laughs> subjugated a lot of people to our will. Have you heard of the small island, eh? <laughs> Terrible weather. So we went across to find some better weather and it turns out the weather of the UK is actually better than hot weather. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Speaking of the British Empire, this podcast has been too loose and and needs to be regimented more. Was that a good segue? Let's stick with it. Um, Uh, Let's get back and rein ourselves in and talk about what we talk about. Of course, we are the show that chronologically reviews Tom Hanks' entire MDB. I say that at the top of the show every single week. And if you listened to our last week's episode on Toy Story of Terror, you may have heard a little bit more of a detailed explanation of what's going on here and why we are here. It has to do with aliens. They're coming. They're invading. They want us to prove our worth to join the United States of Space and we're doing that by showing them Tom Hanks movies if you want the more in-depth explanation listen to last week's episode because we don't have time for that as Alexander I've had an update yes I I chatted to the aliens this week oh. and 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 they, they they gave me a little call on the phone and they were like we, we've obviously every week been sending them when we put something in our Hanks bank mm-hmm. you know we we beam it up a a tube uh, we, we, but we purchase a physical DVD, uh, only DVD we can't f- shell out for the Blu-ray. Come on. I mean, we're not doing, we're not doing good enough numbers for that. We can only, I like, I know that I love my 4k TV, but you know, these aliens, they, they, they've never even heard of 4k. They can deal with a DVD. So we shove a TV DVD in, in a tube. Uh, and it goes and goes up and they've been watching along as we enter things into the Hanks bank. And they called me up and they were just like, look, I'm not sure. 
we, 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 we've watched what you've been sending us. You know, we watched Captain Phillips. We watched Saving Private Ryan. We watched Volunteers. And then you came up and took that DVD away from us and said, please don't watch that again. And, and we're not sure you have yet proved your worth. However, Flexit negotiations are still ongoing. So we do still have a little bit more time. We are interviewing other candidates, but we wanted to give you a little bit more time. You know, maybe in these last, you know, five or so, however many more movies you've got of Tom Hanks, you might prove your worth to join the United States of Space. But we wanted to give you an opportunity, an out, you might say, to prove your worth again. Um, So obviously, the only way to do that is uh, by presenting them uh, another actor and their body of work we, we 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 are not inventive people alexander we cannot think of any other way of proving our worth to to the aliens we're not going to show them any of our uh, greatest scientific advancements we're not going to show them any of the architectural advancements we're just going to carry on reviewing movies but i did say to them you know why 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 are you telling us that now like surely just wait until we're done with the hangs and they said well you know creating hype for marketing is apparently quite good for podcasts um clearly they're in the game they they've got skin in the game here they want our podcast to do well so dear listeners uh me and al we 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 uh are going to chat we're going to discuss and uh you know keep keep your ears peeled there might Mm -hmm. be some clues in upcoming episodes as to who we might be replacing if we have to of course we don't know yet alexander sure. maybe maybe we're going to show them saving mr banks that we're reviewing this week and they're immediately going to go oh let's go that's the b- i want to know everything about walt disney and we'll go okay slow down <laughs> hey just stick to this film yeah just, just don't go outside um, of it stick to this film but yeah so basically uh dear listeners over the next few mm-hmm. uh, weeks we might start dropping a few hints uh, about uh, a potential sequel to hank's sure. so please do listen um, out for those Guys, I want you to know that I'm going to be repping hard for uh, the big guy in the sky. That's right, Godzilla. All right? <laughs> all 54 Godzilla movies, including all the Japanese ones, the black and white Japanese ones. And you know what? Do you think you can get bored of Godzilla after 54 weeks straight of Godzilla <laughs> movies? Absolutely not. I, I personally... You yeah. know, people say that uh, every human emotion I- exists within the complete works of Shakespeare. I yes. say, fuck that. Let's update that to the Godzilla movies. Godzilla. Godzilla. Uh, uh, oh, man. But we can all agree, right, that Godzilla would kill the aliens best. Oh, I mean, yeah. Easy. Know, like, in our like times may- of need, he yes. has saved us before, as we yes. have 54 he- films worth of evidence to show maybe us. Maybe we shouldn't talk. I think the, I think uh, the aliens uh, do uh, listen to the podcast. But maybe off air we should discuss a backup plan about having Godzilla just murder the fuck out of these aliens. It might be an idea. Anyway, so uh, anyone who's listened to this uh, podcast before will know that we have uh, a vague structure to this. You you might not know that in the first 12 minutes of this podcast. But whenever we're reviewing a film, uh, we give you a little bit of historical context and we give you a little Mm. bit of film context. What was going on at the time when this film was released and what was going on when this film was being made. Now... Unfortunately, Alexander, I done fucked up. Um, I, I I thought it was I, I thought it was my turn to do film context, and it was actually my turn to do historical context. So I don't have it. I know you've done this before, and I very much chastised you for it. Um, so so. Just before, so there's no historical context this week, but in in lieu of historical context, we do have uh, a a friend's thoughts. 
Fruity Ports. Sorry, haven't done that for a while. Um, which I actually have told you about, uh, and I believe I, I'm hoping you have uh, prepared for. Uh, but my dear uh, girlfriend um, did let me know when listening to the last episode that your really heartwarming, adorable story that you told last week about Timothy Dalton meeting a kid and te- you know telling him he's James Bond and then meeting him when he was later and pretending to be James Bond again—absolutely adorable story. Made great content for the podcast. Wasn't about Timothy Dalton at all. It was actually about Roger Moore. Dear Roger Moore, <laughs> Timothy Dalton, Aeon Films, MGM, James Bond in general. Last week I told a story in which I got Timothy Dalton and Roger Moore confused. And I have to say, I'm very sorry. Now, you might ask what I'm sorry about. Am I sorry that I got these guys confused? No, I'm sorry that all your James Bonds for the last Six James Bonds look borderline exactly the same. Ooh, ooh, Daniel Craig is too blonde for Bond. Fuck off. You can't even tell he's blonde. What the crap are you on, my friend? This is complete and utter nonsense. Let's get some better people cast in these films who look slightly different so it is easier to tell them apart, all right? Pierce Brosnan, easy to tell apart. He's Irish doing a weird accent. That works for me. I guess he's not doing a weird action. He lived in the UK for much of his life. Uh, Timothy Dalton, I know, of course, obviously, from uh, uh, Hot Fuzz. Uh, Roger Moore, I know people like Roger Moore. Clearly, he's a good man who helped that one child. But uh, to Ellen, to Aeon, to Roger Moore, to Timothy Dalton, uh, cast some better people, (laughs) different looking people than James Bond. How hard is that going to be, guys? Come on, release the film already. Put it out in cinemas. Kill everyone who goes to see it. (laughs) I think that might be the least apologetic apology letter we've ever had on this show. Um, So that's actually being me being very wrong. I I apologize. But but that is uh, our replacement for historical context this week. You know what? We talked about 2013 two weeks in a row. We don't need to talk about it for a third week. What we do need to talk about is saving Mr. Banks. Now, before we get into the film context, we normally do a little bit of a plot summary. Um, it's not a difficult plot to, to sum up. Uh, it's a semi-based on uh, true uh, events story about the writer of Mary Poppins called P.L. I've been getting her name wrong all day. What's her fucking name? P.L. Travers. P.L. Travers. I keep on wanting to call her P.L. Stein because of R.L. Stein. Um, the, the real writer of uh, uh, the Mary Poppins books, P.L. Travers, uh, who was an English woman and how she was... Uh, convinced into making a film she was hesitant at first about making a film and it tracks the journey of the making of mary poppins and the difficulties that she had with the disney corporation and walt disney himself with tom hanks playing the titular not titular whatever walt disney shut up go you go you film film context go alexander released on the 20th of december 2013 uh films in the uk and australia starring of course one mr thomas jeffrey hanks and Who's this, you might ask? Is is it someone whose mere face makes me want to cry? Who conjures up deep emotions? A memory of love? Actually, that's right, guys. It's Emma Thompson. Your bad boy mother in the house. Emma Thompson's playing P.L. Travers. Uh, also starring Colin Farrell, Ruth Wilson, Paul Giamatti. Oh, oh what a cast. He's great. Bradley Wiggins. BJ, no. Paul Giamatti. Just want to stop for a second. I know this is not the Paul Giamatti podcast. <laughs> this is, of course, the Tom Hanks podcast. But Paul Giamatti. You know, what? He's a kind of a classic case of uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? Like, Aww. he's just so fantastic. I just he want is. him to have some more films where he leads. 
Bradley Wiggins, BJ Novak, Jason um, Schwartzman. Schwartzman. There we go. And Melanie Parker. Uh, but I, I think I probably got that one wrong. Uh, the film costs about thirty-five million dollars to make. It made one hundred eleven million gross. Jesus, which is pretty good. Uh, it's obviously about P.L. Travers, as we previously talked about. Um, I think the the interesting stuff production-wise is less how it got made, which is kind of a case of there was an Australian uh, documentary maker who made a documentary about P.L. Travers. Uh, P.L. Travers, for if you don't know, is from Australia. Uh, although I think has a British father and goes back to the UK, um, and said, look, this would be a good film. They kind of started the process of making the film. Eventually, Disney were like, hey, this would be a great way for us to push the brand. Um, came on board as one of the film's four production companies and also as the distributor of the film, and uh, went on board there. They got Thomas uh, Jeffrey Hanks, and that's why I'm saying that again, Tom <laughs> Hanks, uh, on board fairly early on in the process for um, Disney, I believe. Apparently, they originally considered Meryl Streep for... Um, for Walt Disney? Yes. Fucking hell, that's bold casting. I mean, I mean yeah, come on. That's, look, when we talk about interesting casting, guys, we talk about casting a woman as Walt Disney. Uh, no reason why not. But yeah, um, originally, uh, uh, Meryl Streep was considered for P.L. Uh, Travers. Didn't go through, so instead, uh, uh, Emma... Uh, Thompson. Thompson. God, names you, are you'd think, you'd think that you Emma. were the person call suffering Emma. from heat stroke. No, it's true. I'm just going to call her Emma from now on. Instead, I'm the person suffering from mourning. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, Emma Thompson uh, casts as P.L. Travis. So the interesting stuff really then is kind of where it diverges from historical yes, reality. I would like I to will... potentially save that for the end. Yeah. Yes, sure. I think we should we'll, we should treat this film as or, a film and then discuss the historical inaccuracies. Sure. I, I do want to say, I saved this as a friend's thoughts. It was uh, passed to me about a Captain Phillips episode when I explained the actual historical event at the beginning and you went, that's a spoiler. Uh, I appreciated a uh, friend of the show, Ben Ponzi, writing in uh, with a friend's thoughts of, no, this was on the news everywhere during this period. <laughs> Jamie just didn't read the news before 2016. I kept that one to myself. Just <laughs> no, no, in case it's ever happened again. That is perhaps one of the truest things ever said about me. <laughs> I I started paying attention around about the Brexit vote. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Um, so yes, we will we will discuss. Um, sure. I, I think let's, it's let's fa- feed it fairly... in as we go through, and then at yeah. the end, yes, and yeah. then we'll discuss the yeah the historical stuff at the end. So Alexander, you 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 have your thing that you like to say every time we're about to dive into the film. The film begins, as all good films should, with a quote from Mary Poppins in Australia. That's right, guys. Oi, oi, we're down under, guys. Hello, put a shrimp on the barbie. Who's that, my friend? It's a small blonde child whose actress name I can't know. Apologies. And, of course, our dear friend, Colin Farrell. Yes. Before that, though, uh, there was one thing. I know this is such a weird thing to dive in on literally the first four seconds of the film and slow us down already. But it had a title card. And I noted that because you don't often get title where the title, the title, it just flashed up saving Mr. Banks. And I can't remember the last time, at least in a Tom Hanks film, we had a title card or the last time in general. Title cards nowhere near as popular as they used to be. I'm wondering if this is a hearkening back to Toy Story Terror definitely did have a title Oh, yeah. Toy- oh, that's not that's not that's a TV show. That doesn't fucking count. Um, um, I'll have a, I'll, this will be going back in my mind and I will 
let you know if I can remember. Well, but, but we'll keep yeah. it back in mind. In general, I, I, it was just noteworthy. I, did, I felt like yeah. I don't often see them these days. And I was wondering if it was them trying to harken back to, obviously, this is a film about a film uh, made in the 1960s or whatever it is. Um, and yes, we have Colin Farrell playing uh, young Emma. So this is going to... This film has two timelines, basically. We have R.L. Travers as a kid, who's the first young young girl we see in Australia. And then we have R.L. Travers, uh, played by Emma Thompson, uh, as an adult. P.L. Travers. P.L. Fuck. Fucking R.L. I don't even know who... I don't read. I don't know who <laughs> R.L. Stein is. I could not tell you if... I think it's an author. I'm calling it an it because I don't even know if it's a man or a woman. I just have the name in my head and it's infuriating. Of course, Jamie, you're a big fan of the Jack Black uh, Ghostbusters movie. And look, who who it wouldn't be a fan of the Jack Black? Not Ghostbusters. Um, Ghost Goosebumps. Ghostbumps. I'm, I'm Goosebumps? not going to... Ha- RL- is that who RL Stein is? That's RL Stein. He's a Goosebumps okay. Oh, thank God. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I've had that name Goosebumps. stuck in my head all day and for some reason didn't Google it once. Um, so yes, we are in Australia uh, with yeah. Colin Farrell being oh, seemingly a lovely a lovely young uh, father to to this uh, young P.L. Travers. And then we cut to Emma Thompson in... The, I don't know if I should hit that P, P. so hard yes. every single time. And then here's maybe my favourite part, not my favourite part of this movie, but like a really weird part of this movie. We're kind of looking over a desk and things. There's a... A uh, little calendar which says, okay, it's so the 1st of January, 1961, which is like, cool, we're in the past. We kind of look around, it's, you know, it's fairly, the lights are off, it's fairly dark, obviously the winter of discontent is coming around. <laughs> you know, are they going to be able to keep the lights on? Who knows? It's, it's Britain in the 60s. Uh, and all this is great. And then it goes outside. And then again, we've seen this explicit date in the calendar. And for some reason, the movie decides to go, London. January 1st, 1961. Yeah. And I don't know why, because they put a shot in there to tell us it was January 1st, 1961. I don't know why they decided they needed to tell us the exact date again. Yeah. I was yeah. confused by this. Well, but anyway. Because, uh, because uh, the, <laughs> the Disney Corporation thinks that every single member of the public is a fucking idiot. Um, yeah, that's true. Guys, you don't uh, know what a ca- calendar is, all right? You just got a phone. You look at your phone and you're like, oh, it tells me the date, but what's a calendar? Guys, let me tell you about a great time in the past when we used to cut down trees just to tell us the time alongside having a fucking clock. Anyway, uh, a guy so, comes in, it's a lawyer or yeah, his agent. Uh, agent. agent. It's uh, P.L. Travers' agent played by a guy who looks like a slightly chubby Alan Rickman. And he's like, look, wow, you are wow, poor wow. as shit. Look, yeah, I'm sorry the book sales are not doing as well. How about you just sell a movie to Disney? They're them big Hollywood types. They'll make you money. And she's like, I don't want to. And he's like, go fly over there anyway. And then she flies over there anyway. Yeah. The, the kind of thing which is established is that uh, the contract has yet to be signed uh, in the film. And um, she will have a final say over the script. Yeah. And so if she doesn't like the script, she can always walk off. She's very protective of Mary Poppins. She talks about Mary Poppins. She's the author of Mary Poppins, so we haven't mentioned that. Uh, have we mentioned that? I think I'm so. sure we have. I, I feel not, like we're sorry, not yes. very good at our job if we haven't mentioned it until this point. <laughs> it's kind of the entire concept <laughs> of the film. <laughs> that's true. But at the same time, I wouldn't put it past either of us to not be very good at our jobs. Um, um yeah, so so she kind of sees this as a thing to protect. She doesn't like cartoons. She doesn't like Disney. She sees them as just this kind of big capitalistic machine which takes these characters and turns them into something else which she hates. She and, goes over to America. And just she they're, flies all, they're all too kiddie and, and saccharine yeah. and whatever. She, she goes over to America. And, you know, Mary, we get some character oh, development of her... On the, um, on the plane, of course. Yes, on the plane. Uh, if you remember... 
uh, meet the meet the parents. Uh, naturally, a similar scene where uh, she's trying to get her bag up in the thing, and she cries, "Bomb, bomb, 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 bomb!" And because it's the nineteen sixties, everyone laughs instead of cries. Uh, <laughs> instead, she, uh, uh, an old lady, not old lady, a young woman with a baby, says, "Oh, you can move my bag. My bag can go up front." And she turns to the young woman and baby and goes, "Will it cry the entire flight?" Which is cruel. <laughs> Yes, she, so we get a characterization that she's perhaps a bit of a stuck-up British woman. Perhaps a characterization of uh, a British woman written by a bunch of Americans. She's Australian, my friend. Uh, right. Yeah, but that, that doesn't matter. She's a characterization. She's a, I uh, believe it's written by Australians. Is it written by Australians? Ah. I'm going to confirm this. You, you can confirm that in a second this. while I discuss uh, the first part of the Australian plotline. Uh, Colin Farrell and his family, they're kicked out of their fancy, uh, expensive mansion uh, with his wife, played by Ruth Wilson, uh, and their kids. And they go off uh, to bumfuck nowhere. Um, he has, I believe, lost his job or something like that. Um, and yeah, they, they go, uh, and they suddenly have been downgraded from a very lovely house where they're being looked after very, very well to, uh, a small shack in the outback. Uh, we then cut back to, um, our PL Travers, fuck, um, arriving in America. Yeah. Oh, have okay. you found out for me who it is written by? Uh, I, I don't know if they're from Australia, but let me tell you what, after this, Jamie, they wrote some interesting films, including Fifty Shades, Freed, and Venom. Ah, fun um so she arrives in america and her taxi driver is paul giamatti and if paul giamatti isn't the happiest smilest oh, funny man. just just the cheeriest guy and um mm. apparently happiness uh, annoys emma thompson that's true uh, she starts- uh, look jamie you you have also arrived in la presumably being picked up by mutual friends of ours or if yes. not meeting mutual friends of ours soon afterwards uh let me tell you what, after a flight to LAX, I am in the worst mood possible <laughs> because it is the most aggressive jet lag you probably can get other than going to Hong Kong. Um, duh, it's terrible. It's yes, terrible. She's just a sleepy bunny and it's way too sunny. Fair enough. I don't think that the film wants us to believe that she's just jet lagged. I think the film wants us to believe that she is a royal bitch. Um, she arrives. Uh, yes, Paul Giamatti is just uh, that that over the top, you know, customer servicey, super happy, wanting the best uh, for for the person, um, and she's she's having none of it. She gets to her hotel. Her hotel is adorned with every dis- every pre-1962 uh, Disney uh, icon you could possibly imagine. There are fluffy toys of Mickey. There's fluffy toys of Goofy. And, and all of the gang are there. And she's not very happy about it. Um, uh, Jamie, she's especially not happy because there's a... Why am I doing an Australian accent? Who knows? Uh, I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, there's a fruit basket. And she's like... Pears, no, and throws the pears out the window. That will yes. come up later in the film. Yes. Um, she switches on the TV, uh, and it is our boy Thomas Jeffrey Hanks, as you would call him, uh, playing Walt Disney with a fantastic moustache. He's like, hey, you, hi, I, your TV isn't broke. It's really me. I can't really remember what happens next. It's one of the classic... Um, Disney video segments, uh, which which did happen in real life. This is a real thing, where he kind of introduces the concept of maybe one of his films or the opening of Disneyland, something like that. 
and it, but for the film it's to introduce us that like hey this is this is tom hanks playing disney well disney it's fine um so the next day she rocks up to the studio for the first time and meets uh jason schwartzman and bj novak who are playing the something brothers who were the original sherman sherman, sherman brothers who were the original uh writer and like musical director musical writer whatever um whatever you composer composer That's and what, lyricist yeah, composer yeah. and lyricist on uh on mary poppins and another guy what Bradley Wiggins? Yes. What? What Not is Bradley Wiggins? Sorry, Bradley. I, um, I don't know who it is. I'm just asking. Did you? you do. What is his job in the movie? Uh, he's is, a sc- he's the screenwriter. Is he the screenwriter? Okay. So the other two are exclusively um, on the music. Okay, that makes sense. So he's screenwriter. Uh, Jason Schwartzman. Jamie, I want to I want to stop for a second. Bradley Whitford. Yeah. You, you know Bradley Whitford. I recognize, of, of, I, I recognize of, him. Sure. Okay. For people who don't know, like Jamie. Famously, of course, of the West Wing fame, one of the main characters in the West Wing. Uh, also, in he plays Drake Prosser's dad in Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's in Get Out. He is. Oh yes, he's in Get. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. That's where I know him from. You got there eventually. <laughs> um, so she rocks up to the studio and she's uh, just basically being like to them, "Right, we've we've got to get to work. We've got lots of work. Mm. I'm going to making all the changes." And they're like, so, "What? I didn't. What? We're just." okay um they they were clearly not prepped that uh, she is here and she's going to be overbearing for the next hour mm. and a half of the film um and she meets walt disney for the first time they have a conversation in do you remember what their first conversation is well it's basically about so kind of disney sets up um his side of the plot which is 20 years ago my kids uh were reading books and they love these books and, and i i read them too and i love them too and i said to them look i promise you that i will make these films and this this is a true story yes this is and he was fighting for it for 20 years and pl travers has since then spent 20 years refusing at every point of the way to do so and she says well look that's not on me, I don't want to give you the rights. You're the one who decided to fight for them for 20 years. Yeah. Because, well, here you are. She's like, well, yeah, here I am, but I still have final say. Over the yeah. So he, he basically goes, look, I'm going to look after it, but you have final say. We're, we're going to look after your... I I want to make the best movie. I love Mary Poppins as much as you do. Um, I want to make the best movie possible. Um, she lays out, like, no animation, no songs, no fun, basically, yeah. are well, her well, rules. Well, I, I think it's the, the kids' books are obviously meant to be fun, right? It's just like she wants it so purely to her idea. And I think this is something which we get with the flashbacks as they kind of happen. But it's the idea that she grew up in a, God, what, 19, uh, 1960s? She's probably only 60 at the time. Yeah, probably at the turn of the century Australia, yeah. right? And, and we see this huge cultural shift with the two, where one is, you know, borderline Victorian, um, and one is this kind of modern thing which we can kind of get and she's this person who sort of straddles the centuries almost in terms of her experience and she's a woman a little bit out of time a, a little bit like mary poppins yeah which obviously that is set um around the time of the suffrage so it's set around 1910 19 uh a yeah bit around that um so we get the first scene in the writer's room and i really like all of the scenes in the writer's room i think they're oh, great um oh it's also stipulated that she has to have a tape record she doesn't trust yes. anyone so she's yes. like there will be a tape recorder present all time yes and as uh, you as we learn at the very end that's a real fact and those recordings yeah. still exist um and yeah immediately they start reading the script she's like no we're, we're gonna go through this line by line and they go oh, okay um ext ext what does ext mean uh, it it means exterior. 
okay well that can stay um and and then it oh what does it <laughs> she, she just starts stipulating other shit in like the stage directions and they're oh, like yeah it's great like what what is the first it's it's the thing uh, where they're like oh no one will read this she's like i will read it yes it's uh, they, not um it's not the most that bit comes later yeah that it's um oh no 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 i think the first thing is dick van dyke isn't it it's, oh yes she also, she also yeah, <laughs> she's like oh of course we're gonna, we're gonna have him played by dick van dyke one of the greats and she's like my dear boy dick van dyke is not olivier, olivier. one of the greats dick um, van dyke shall never be in my movie yes I, I can absolutely assure you that dick van dyke will never be one of the greats um yeah. and yeah she's she's just going through this script uh, we then get a cut back uh once again another just scene uh, the first sort of three or four scenes with colin farrell are just uh, establishing that colin farrell as a, uh, the father to uh, mm. pl travers had a very close relationship with her as as a daughter and he really loved her and cared for her um yeah. that that will slightly go downhill in a little bit um oh, still, he always loves her and cares for her yes he yeah. always loves her and cares for her um <laughs> it, we get a few more scenes. Goes yes we have a few more scenes and then we get to the mustache bit where uh they've got sure. a drawing up of mr banks um and she's like no 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 well the mr banks does not have a mustache and they're like well he, she does he does in the illustrations the and she's like, i didn't approve of those illustrations <laughs> and now this is my movie and i would like him not to have a mustache <laughs> and they're like well um Walt Disney kind of wants him to have a... Well, why is that? Well, he kind of sees himself in Mr. Well, I don't want to say, but it's kind of obvious he has a mustache. Mr. Banks yeah, has a mustache. Well, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I um, love your impression of P.L. Travers. It is the best impression you've done in this film. And then um, uh, B.J. Novak just all, goes, does it matter? And then the other guys are like, oh, shit. Oh, I mean, I was thinking it the whole fucking time, but oh, shit, he's gone and said it. He's uh, angered the, the, the angry British lady. She literally just goes to BJ Novak, you can leave. <laughs> and then and nothing like, happens. And then he's, out. Goes, he's got a cane and he walks out. And she's like, why is he using a cane? And they're like, well, he got shot down in the wall. No, I, I believe they just say he got shot. And, and she just goes, no wonder. Um, uh, turns out, real story, that guy uh, did get shot as a 19-year-old in the war has a purple heart. <laughs> It's Christ, like you know completely what? dismissed in the movie, but he's a literal <laughs> war hero. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's true. Um, around the, this time, uh, there are other small like, things like Emma Thompson gets angry whenever the lady brings in food. Like she yellow. brings in jellies that look like Mickey Mouse. And she just goes, <laughs> you've got to be kidding, right? <laughs> there's a great line. There's also the one where like she, the woman just pushes the trolley in and she's like, no, 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 out, out, out. One can't subside of cake alone, which yeah. is just a great line. Yeah. Um, um, it's also around this time that I think this is important is that, Clearly, the screenwriters and uh, the music musicians feel that their parents are neglectful. They feel that that's why Mary Poppins comes along in the story is because uh, there's a song about why have you made Mrs. Banks a silly suffragette and obviously which goes into the musical. But um, and you know they say, well, look, we need an excuse why she's not looking after the kids and. To which she goes, well, look, but of course she's she's a mother. You know, she's, yeah, she's it, a mother. It's a very like, difficult job being a mother. And sometimes you need a little bit of help. I learned that from people who attacked Owen Jones on Twitter like three months ago. What um, was this? Did you not see this when, um, uh, oh, fuck, I don't want to get it. Goog- uh, basically, I don't like Owen Jones, it's like, uh, Yeah, cool. <laughs> it doesn't sure, matter. Sure. Um, people get Some angry mums at Owen like, People often Owen get Jones. very angry at Owen Jones. Sure. Um, Owen Jones comes invited, but yes. Um... 
look, so, yeah, yeah. anyway, they're kind of pissed. She's like, oh, da, da, da. And um, also, the other one is that people see Mr. Banks as cruel. At the yes. very least, there's a, scene, there's a line where she, uh, Mr. Banks in the film tears up their drawings. She's like, why, why do you make him so cruel? Why do you make him so cruel? Why does he tear up the drawings? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. uh, we have constantly, what uh, Disney is like, remi- like getting updates and stuff. Sure. Um, I there's believe a good it bit is a- where... Well, no. I, I love the bit where, she, where the lady comes in. And I can't remember her name, so I apologize. But she's the one who's both been like trolley girl, uh, receptionist, and also just in the room while creative stuff happens. Yes. So like, you know, yeah, I think se- they wanted another female character in the room, which is yeah, fair she, enough. She seems to be an amalgamation of a few different uh, real life characters. Uh, we get sure. a flashback around oh, this point, um, which is yeah. which is where we Those learn you, yeah. the very key point uh, that Colin Farrell's character uh, is a raging alcoholic um yeah, ruth wilson there, there's a scene he's with also her. oh sorry he's also i think very depressed um yes or, yeah, or yeah. like struggles with de- like bipolar disorder probably or, yes or, or something, or like something. That, so, yeah. um but there's a scene with ruth wilson and 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 him ruth and wilson, who is just massively underused in this oh film. massively underused Amazing incredible actress. actress incredible actress so underused um but yeah so where where he's just like look yeah i'm i'm gonna try and like i'm gonna try and do better but please just like don't let her know um about it we cut back to uh the first time that we see the workshopping of one of the songs uh which happens throughout um and it's the uh a spoonful of sugar i believe uh and they're going a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down and they're like oh that's uh, that's not right um yes uh, no the first one is like it, i can't remember where it's from the first one is like the constable's responsible <laughs> Is the I, first I, th- I think they... that's. Uh, I don't think we hear you know that. Either. I don't think we. I think we hear that line. No, we, we hear that line definitely because um, and she. We, she definitely complains about she, it. They, she she goes, goes, "You made you made up the word responsible. <laughs> responsible. Not the word. Take yes. it out." And they could have just moved supercalifragilisticexpialidocious the sheets back a bit, which is yes, funny, yeah, yeah. Like. They hide it. Um, but yes, yeah, slightly later we get uh, a spoonful of sugar, and they're going a spoonful of sugar. That's head is going to go down, and they're yeah. like, "Why does that sound wrong?" Oh well, <laughs> actually, she's magic. You know, she doesn't go down the stairs; she goes up the stairs. Oh, maybe a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Oh, that's it. It's magic. <laughs> Aren't we amazing? And just at that time, Walt Disney and um, uh, and P.L. Stein walk in. And it's like, oh yes, come on, we've got to play this for you. Play it for Walt Disney. Walt Disney's like, oh yes, I'm I'm gonna be tapping along to that all day. I love that song. Um, and uh, P.L. Travis is still like, oh, I don't want music. It's all very happy. I don't like happiness. I don't think she's in the room for that. She is. She comes in. That's... She comes in with Walt Disney. For the... the... I thought the spoonful of sugar. What was the one where later on Walt Disney comes in by himself? That's later on. I can't remember which song that is. Um, but it's it's a song. It's it that's definitely later than this one. Um, okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, basically, her we've sort of touched on it, but her issue is that she feels like the character of Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. very specifically, is much more severe and stern in her book, and she wants to, uh, you know, be faithful to that. That the whole book in general is, while still a children's book, although I think she's quoted as saying she never wrote it as a children's book. She just. She's happy that it was liked by children, but she never wrote it as a children's book. So she doesn't see it as this happy saccharine story. And Disney yeah. are constantly trying to Disneyfy it. Um, we then get another flashback where Colin Farrell gets fired as a bank manager, or almost fired. Um, he's he's clearly drunk, uh, raging uh, at the office while uh, a young PL Travers comes in with the with his boss, uh, and she's like. 
in a very sad scene, oh, daddy, mm. are, are you getting fired again? Uh, and he goes, yeah. And then the boss goes, no, darling. No, he's not. And he, he's not. He doesn't talk like this. He talks like an Australian, but I can't do an Australian accent. So I'll pretend he's not. Like mate. This. Um, he goes, oh, no, she he's not getting fired. Love, don't you worry. <laughs> I love that. It was the most cockney Australian I've ever heard. But yeah. it was great. Well done. Um, but yeah. And he basically just goes to to her father. Mm. Like, if you can't sort yourself yeah. out for you, sort yourself out for her. Um. Oh, and we have God. some just like lovely scenes with them, like all yes. the way through the film, with the yeah, stuff the like they go the up film. on a horse together, and like. I um, think I think after that flashback is when we have that scene you were talking about, where Walt Disney comes in by himself to Jason Schwartzman, the um, uh, composer, and they're just like, "Oh, she's she's really a, a tough tough nut to crack, isn't she?" And it's like, "No, we'll we'll, we'll get her to come round. It'll be okay." Um, I think. Oh God! We, they, they, all of the scene, all of these scenes are in the same two fucking places. They're all in the writers' room, or like yeah, which makes which, which does make it difficult. Um, um, I think we get. A I think at that point they decide. I think at that point they decide to take her to Disneyland, don't they? Uh, no. I think there'll be there are other flashbacks around there, but I think that's. Yes. I think after that scene, they he's like, okay, I need to, I need to go big. Uh, I think before that is specifically the very long flashback at the fair, uh, where Colin Farrell. Uh, is due to give a speech on behalf of the bank. Um, I think those two. Those. Two, I, I know you may be scanning through the movie right now. I am literally I, scanning I, through the movie right okay. now. When, I, when I I'm being very polite and saying I think yeah, this yeah. thing happens before, I'm literally looking at the screenshots. Fair enough. Um, uh, so yeah, there's the the very long flashback of um, uh, Colin Farrell is giving a speech at a sure. local fair on behalf of the bank, and what happens there, Alexander? Oh, this is where we get the so this is where we get the speech from the bank in the musical uh, about like what you do with your tuppence. Yeah. Oh, this, the song they sing in where Mister Banks is alone, I think, is uh, tuppence a bag, tuppence, tuppence, tuppence a bag. Is the song they sing when um, Tom yes, Hanks? Yes, is when Tom uh, is when Tom Hanks. Yes, and that then uh, this comes after that transition. Yeah, um, and we yeah getting oh, into it's, it's kind of intercut. Yes, intercut. Uh, if anything, of... it's cut. Intercut of uh, them in the modern day writing the song Tuppence a Bag, yeah. while a very drunk Colin Farrell, uh, all, he's, he's all turned the speech up. By, so it's the speech by the bank owner, right? Yes. So it's, um, rather Tuppence a Bag, but it's, it's, it precedes it. But uh, yeah, like a, a drunk Colin Farrell Colin goes Farrell. up and he's kind of giving the speech about how, you know, you need to invest in the bank. You need to take your, uh, you know, your Tuppence and you put it in the bank. You can see it grow and there'll be foreclosures and we'll make more money with foreclosures and by basically ripping the money from other people. The original uh, uh, Saving Mr. Banks, do, uh, sorry, the original Mary Poppins does not like banks, let me tell you what. No. Uh, it thinks um, bankers as an yes. institution are uh, he, he then, it's in a just devastatingly uncomfortable scene. Um, he finishes that speech and then he goes, yes, yeah, so giving children uh, bank accounts is very good. My my daughter, yes, yes, oh yes, Ginty, I think he calls her? Gin, he calls her Ginty. Ginty. Ginty, uh, how old are you, Ginty? And everyone's very embarrassed. And then he's like, "Come, come on up here! Come on up here!" Uh, yes, my my Ginty, she has a she has a bank account, and well, I'm going to give awards in a minute, but um, I need to relieve myself first. Uh, Ginty, give 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 me your shoulder. And he's leaning on her, and then he falls off the stage, and it's fucking breaks his leg. Yeah, you know, depressing as shit. Uh, he breaks yeah. his leg, and then uh, back at home, Ginty, I young P. L. Travers comes up mm-hmm. to him, and he's like. 
Oh, you know how you could help, Father? I've got, I've got my medicine in, 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 in. And she's like, oh, it's already been taken away. Mummy took it away. Oh, oh fuck. Um, and yeah. It's, it's... And she read. oh, God, this is also the bit where she then, um, if not, I'm going to amalgamate the two scenes, but uh, where she then goes, I wrote a poem, Father. Um, and he, he doesn't say anything. He's, she's like, do you want me to read it to you? And he snatches it off and he starts Yes, this it. is the same scene. Yeah. And oh man, and then he goes like, it's not exactly Yates, is it? And having yeah. been so lovely the entire film, he just kind of like scrunches up and throws it away. Yeah. Um, That's really helpful. And it's around this time that we get, uh, again, she, she very clearly uh, does not want uh, Mr. Banks to be um, uh, misrepresented because of it being alluded that it represents her father. Uh, and she goes like, oh, I'm not going to disappoint him again, or I'm not going to let him down again down or something again. like that. And, that. and that's why she hates the idea of him being seen as cruel. Yes. That, that the idea that like all the parents in this film are just doing their best. And it's just that, uh, like, and you know, and, and, and as the name of the film alludes, the film is about Mary Poppins coming to save Mr. Banks. Yes. Um, rather um, than to, uh, yes, rather than to save, save the, the children. children. Um, we then get a lovely, adorable little scene between Abba Thompson and Paul Giamatti, um, where she's making oh, like a little leaf something. Like she storms, she storms out, and uh, I think she does this with her dad at the beginning of the film. If not, she definitely does it with her dad at the end of the film. But she's kind of making a, a kind of bandstand with leaves and sticks, yes. and Paul Giamatti comes over, and Starts I believe this is where he yes, where tells he talks about that, his daughter. Yeah, and he kind of says, look, all the way through the film, he's been like, oh, it's a sunny day today, great, the sunshine's come out for you, Mrs. Oh, there's just some, like, great dialogue all the way through with, like, yes. Paul Giamatti oh, yeah, and Mrs. This, Travis, yeah. where, like, originally he's like, ah, Mrs. P.L., and she's like, no, 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 just Miss, uh, Mrs. P.L. Travers. And she's like, no, no, just Mrs. And he's like, all right, Mrs., and the entire rest of the movie just calls her Mrs., which yeah. is cute. And he kind of says, oh, Mrs., you know, the reason why I talk about the weather so much is because my daughter is disabled. <laughs> And sorry, I love to complete the wrong time. You just sound like you don't know Cockney Paul Giamatti. Hello, oh, Paul Giamatti. Oh, right. and then it just oh, sounded like I was laughing about Oh, so it turns out my daughter children. is in a wheelchair. She's handicapped. Oh, Jesus right. Okay. When he's sunny. Also, I'm going like, like, to put a stop on this bit right now. Sure. This is a very heartfelt moment. Sure. Uh, and yeah. the, the line goes: When it's sunny, I can leave her outside, and when I I can take her outside, and she can you know, be outside and enjoy the sunshine. And when it's like rainy she has to sit indoors and be cooped up all day yeah. now i'm sure this isn't the intention i'm sure there's someone else looking out for her but it sounds like he just leaves his daughter outside the entire <laughs> yeah. day while he's at work yeah. and i'm like maybe you should leave her indoors that sounds like you could get badly sunburned okay yeah um we then get another cut back to this is where i sort of sort of sat here going i thought this was supposed to be a fun film because we get a scene where fucking ruth wilson tries to kill herself oh, um man. yeah she yeah, like very much just, a fugue state kind of thing She's yeah like, go, go i know go. you love your father more but like she's kind of up at night. Uh, Ginty wakes up. Uh, the young Peter Travers wakes up, and is like, "Oh, where are you going?" And she's like, "I know you love your father more, but you'll understand one day." She's like, "What the shit?" And, and follows her mother out the house. She follows her, and she ends up in like a lake. Um, and Ginty literally like taps her, and she suddenly wakes up like, "Oh fuck!" And like, yeah, as you say, like she yeah. was in a fugue state. Um, and and they go back to the house. Um, many, many of these uh, flashbacks are obviously uh, interspersed with Emma Thompson in real life. So it's clearly her recollecting uh, yeah. a lot of these it's, things as and, well. And even then, she also says, I think at one point in the film, she's talking to her um, agent. She's talking to her agent. She says, like, being his brought up a lot of stuff. Um, so I think it's I, th I think it's meant to be being in the heat 
reminds her being in the heat of Australia. I think it like weirdly is meant well, that, that is meant to what? be a kind of connection. I, I sympathize. I am sweating so much right now, Alexander. <laughs> um, so uh, we then get uh, the flashback now that um, mm-hmm. uh, Colin Farrell is bedridden with his broken leg. Uh, we get. He's also uh, been coughing up blood. He's been yes, coughing he's up also been coughing blood. up blood. He's also, you know, dying. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, just still on the side of his broken leg, he also happens to be dying. Um, and we have a woman turn up uh, who looks more like Lan- Nanny McPhee than she does uh, Mary Poppins, but um, very clearly the inspiration for Mary Poppins. Mm. It is Ginty's aunt. She turns up and she starts saying, li- literally saying some things that. Um, uh, that are end up as quotes from uh, as Mary Poppins. Like I can't remember specifically what they are, but I'll fix everything, and oh, I've got all the tools and and stuff like that. Um, so we are introduced to the real life inspiration oh. for Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Um, and as you've alluded movie. in the movie, yes, uh, as you've yeah. alluded, uh, is there to save Mister Banks? Is there to save yeah. the father, not and to save the children? There are couple of touches i really love here she takes out a pineapple um which at the time was super rare like having yeah. a pineapple was a very much like a class thing it is a very cool thing at the time that's why you have pineapple on a lot of designs at the time it was almost something i think people didn't eat because it was worth so much um so it's like i don't know i just find that really cool little detail they have there she just like brings a pineapple out from her bag yeah but to kind of you know to symbolize like hey you're in a rough place but you know i'm, I'm, I'm bringing you something from this yeah uh, and it is at this point that we have a phone call between walt disney and emma thompson um and i can't remember what she's complaining about she's complaining about something again something she doesn't like in the movie uh and tom hanks as walt disney is like oh, well there's been issues every single day and i've never had a phone call from you i think someone could do, making him sound more like Mickey Mouse. Or Goofy. <laughs> um, I think someone could do with a trip to the happiest place on earth. Hey, Sally, clear my day tomorrow. <laughs> and that's when they go to Disney World. Um, with with literally her rolling up in a car and like the gates opening and there's Walt Disney and and Paul Giamatti even being like, oh my God, it's, it's really him. I've never even met him before. Um, and all these people running up to him and being like, I I love you, Walt. Please, can you sign something? And he's like, "Oh, you should get this lady's signature. She's got. She's an incredible talent." Someone offers it, and she's just like, "No, thank no. you." It's also this is great. He doesn't sign anything. He just has pre-signed cards. Yes, which yeah, I love. Yeah. He just kind of like gives out these pre-signed cards when people come up to him for a signature, which is like, all right, weird, but sure. Yeah, um, they uh, kind of go through. Pierre yeah. Travers hates it. She does yeah. not like Disneyland. Uh, it's fake. She's uh, and eventually kind of. Um, uh, Disney gets her to the carousel. Hey, you remember that carousel from that fun fair at the beginning of the film? Not the beginning of the film, midway through the film. Uh, the times they are returning in a circle. Um, <laughs> Disney basically forces her to get on the carousel and goes, "Haha! Now I've won a bet." Yeah, um, but also we we think we fixed the pro- we think we fixed your problem um, with Mr. Banks. Yes, come and see the musical. We'll, we'll sort it out. Yes, uh, we get one more flashback, which uh, again is really sad. It's basically just fucking ginty watching her dad slowly die she yeah. he like looks at her out of a window and just coughing up blood it's very yeah. depressing um and she goes into the writer's room the next day uh and this is when we get oh, uh what's the fucking let's song go fly let's go let's fly a kite let's go fly, fly a kite. kite and they're just like look we we've 
we realized you you were talking about him being a bad person, a mean person. We fixed that. He's not. You're absolutely right. And so they write the obviously the end of the film, which is when mm-hmm. he fixes the kite and they go, let's go fly a kite. And they all start singing Aww. it. And even Emma Thompson starts tapping her foot and getting along. And, and they're all jumping up and down. And she starts dancing. And Walt Dis- like <laughs> when she starts yeah. dancing, the assistant slash chef slash, <laughs> slash lady that's all around, always around runs to Walt Disney. <laughs> like she's dancing she's dancing um and it it, i'm i'm mocking it but it is a very sweet scene where they're all singing together i I like i like all of the scenes where bj novak and jason schwartzman are singing they're 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 great apparently it is actually jason schwartzman and bj novak both playing the piano and singing that was all done done for real which is great i always like to see that um is it then uh yes i believe it is then that he dies I think it's then when Colin Farrell dies. Maybe? uh, Yeah, it's around this point that Colin Farrell dies. And there's the line which I like, which is um, the mum goes, the mum's on the floor and uh, young Ginty kind of walks in, sees her mum and realises what has happened, that her dad has died. And her mum goes, no, you can't see him. Don't see the body. To which um, the aunt goes, no, no, let us see it. And the young Ginty goes, you were meant to save him. You came here to save him. You lied to me. You said you you were going to do it. You lied. Yeah. And she goes and sees her dad and her dad's dead. Yeah. It's very sad. Um and um and therefore back in the presence, uh she's a dick. Yes. Apparently. She's so. like the colour red. I don't want it in any other film. The film shall have none of the colour red in it. Yeah. Um and she's like, This is my final thing. Uh she also goes, I think this is when oh, this is a, where this yeah. is where she finally storms off for real. And what makes her storm off? And she it's goes, great. She's really happy. This is just after the other thing, and she's like, you know, no, I think it's going quite well. It's going to be difficult to make the penguins dance, though. <laughs> and they're like, what? how are you going to do it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I mean, she's I like, well, look, when I was at Disneyland, of course, he told him about making a tree. So I presume he has some kind of penguin trainer or something. Yeah. And and um, one, I think it's BJ Novak just goes, they're animated. Um, and she storms into Walt uh, Disney's office and goes, uh, you said, you said no animation. You said it. And he's like, well, we said it wasn't going to be an animated film. And uh technically darling it's not an animated film so go eat a dick um and uh he i would like to stipulate that that is not a direct quote uh, from walt disney in the film saving mr banks he does not say go eat a dick he just merely implies it um and so she storms out um goes off with paul giamatti um <laughs> I said that like they're going off in the sun um no she she goes to the airport uh, paul giamatti drives her there um, he, she gives him something. She uh, signs the book from. Yes, so two she signs. Yes, it's one. Oh, yes, he brings yes, out. Yes. He brings out his daughter's copy of Mary Poppins, and um, he goes, "On my first day, I didn't know who you were, and I mentioned you to my daughter. My daughter went out and got a copy of the book and gave it to me. I've been it ever since. I think it's a really great book. Would you sign it for my daughter?" And she goes, "Of course." And I like this because early in the film, she refused to sign it, and she goes, "Sure." She starts saying, "She goes, I never knew your name," and he goes, "Oh, my name's Paul." And she goes, Pamela. And this is the first time she's introduced herself by her name to anyone in the film. Yeah. And I really, it's a really lovely little moment. I really yeah. like it. And then she pulls out a little card and she's written on it and it says Albert Einstein, uh, you know, Frida Kahlo, um, a bunch of other ge- you know, geniuses. And she goes, and he goes, well, uh, who are these? And she goes, they're all geniuses and they all overcame something difficult. They all had their own um, like di- learning difficulties or just difficulties or disabilities. Your daughter can do anything she wants to do yeah and then she goes turn it over and he turns it over 
And uh, he's, he's like, Walt Disney. He's like, yes, classic case of hyperactivity disorder, which I find very funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, she then goes back to uh, London because she's uh, done with the film. Uh, she and uh, Walt Disney uh, flies over. and he, uh, oh, well, opens- Walt Disney, first of all, um, sees that... Uh, she goes back to his office. He says, "Has your gunshot off?" Yes. And she goes, uh, the, "So the the assistant come, uh, maid come, uh, kitchen lady come, trolley lady come, uh, writer's room assistant uh, is like, yo, Miss P.L. Travers. She pretended she was all hoity-toity British. She's actually an Aussie." Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um. So Tom, as she opens the door, and Tom Hanks is there, and he's just like, "Oh, it was really difficult getting on the next plane after you. You know that? I'm gonna come in." Uh, and then we get um the the dedicated tom hanks emotional monologue that uh that is i believe he stipulates in his contract every single time um where he is basically just like look i i've figured you out lady he doesn't say it's smugly but he's like look mr banks <laughs> <laughs> he does it very 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 kindly and, and calmly uh and um it's like look i get it mr banks is your father um and and you're looking to to look after him look this film will look after him people will go around and they'll be singing the songs they'll be they'll be hailing mr manx this will give him a legacy he will be saved they, they do and that. he also he, he also talks about how like as a kid he goes like i understand the the need to like let go of the pain in your past and i think this will i think giving me the rights to this film will help you let that go as a kid me and my brother roy were forced into my dad's paper routes um, during the snow, sometimes the snow was above our heads, and if we didn't do it, our dad would beat us. He would, like, take out his belt, and he would beat us. And, like, it's a really tough scene, because, you know, it's Walt Disney, right? Like, love him or hate him, he's still a childhood figure to a lot of kids, and just the name is very evocative, you know, so many people around the world know of him. And to hear about this speech, and he goes, and I'm just tired of holding on to that. Like, I'm tired of holding on to, the, you know, hate and fear and all this kind of stuff, and you need to let it go. You can't, as much as you want to protect these things, we will do right by him. Let go of that. And I like that. Oh, and yeah. you need to forgive. You need to forgive. And then she goes, I, you know, my father was a wonderful man. I don't need to forgive my father. And she goes, no, you need to forgive yourself. Yeah. Like you can, you're a kid. You, there's nothing you could have done. Yes. We, we've also missed the, the plot point specifically that P.L. Travers is not her actual name. Her name is Pamela Goff. Travers was, was her father's name. And he says in this, you must have really cared about him to, to take his name and stuff. Um, so, uh, she, she sort of basically agrees, um, to release the film and then we cut to, uh, near premiere day and someone, someone runs up to Walt Disney and it's like, Hey, I've got the list. And he's like, Oh, well, is everyone on it? And she's like, not everyone. <laughs> and she, and he goes, look, there'll be a London premiere. It'll be fine. It'll, it's too inconvenient for her anyway. Um, and the real reason is he, yeah. Uh, 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 that the reason is it's P.L. Travers. She's been horrible this entire film. He's yes. convinced she'll be. Um, she'll make a fuss. Um, she's back in London. She's writing again. She's got. She's got a um a new lease on life. A new lease. A new inspiration for writing. And her agent comes in and goes, "Oh, you're not going over to the to the um premiere." And she's like, "Ah, oh, you know, yes, yeah, it's too inconvenient. It's fine." Um, and he goes. You weren't invited, were you? And she's like, maybe. And he's like, that doesn't sound very much like Mary Poppins, which is a weird line because yeah, (laughs) what they don't want to do is just like have her go because she's a spiteful, um, slightly malicious person. Which is is probably why she went. 
Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so she flies over. There's the uh, there's another little thing on the the plane with her putting something up and and someone's like, hey, can I help you? And she's like, oh, I can do it myself. Um, but she gets uh, to L.A. She waltzes up into his office. Walt Disney comes to the office um, and he's like, oh, hey, hey, how's it going? And she's like, oh, well, I came over for the premiere, which I'm, of course, invited to. I just, oh, my tickets must have got lost in the mail. He's like, These oh, American mails, they're so <laughs> terrible. Don't worry. I've, of course, you have poor mail. Nothing like our royal mail. We'll never privatize it. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he's like, yes, of course, I'll, I'll get you a ticket immediately. Um, she rocks up outside of the hotel and is like, oh, I need a taxi. And then Paul Giamatti is just there. It's yeah. just, like, he he literally says, oh, I had a feeling that someone might need a ride tonight. Like, what? <laughs> he just rocked up to a... Like, no one... Sensibly, no one knows this person is even here. How like did that. Paul Giamatti know? Is Paul Giamatti magic? Is Paul Giamatti the Mary Poppins of this film? In many ways, he is her Mary Poppins, which I quite like. Yeah, um, she's um, very nervous. Uh, yeah, he kind of gets the premiere. He opens the door for her. She, you know, she squeezes his hand. She's quite nervous about all the people. There are a lot of Disney characters. Uh, they're at. Uh, I think it's it's the Chinese theater in on Hollywood. Yes. I can't yes. Or something like that. Um, and yeah, she's wandering through. Everyone's getting interviewed. <laughs> she gets near the door. And I, I will come back to why I want to mock the fuck out of this moment. <laughs> Fucking Mickey Mouse holds out his hand. And when oh, her in, like, oh, you're nervous? Don't worry. Me, the personification of Disney, will walk you into the theatre. Corporate synergy, my friend. Corporate <laughs> synergy. Um, Everyone and, and, shall bow under the foot of Disney. Yeah, um, and um, in in what uh, uh, we will again discuss in the historical inaccuracies, somehow the person who did not have a ticket ends up sat in front of Walt Disney and in between the screenwriter and the composer. Who, who did they get rid of? That's why I want to know. Who did they get rid of? <laughs> fucking get BJ Novak had to wife. like and kick his Novak's wife out. BJ wife was like, you're <laughs> out, you're not seeing um, my film, honey. But yes, so uh, they start watching the film and we get clips from the actual Mary Poppins. Oh. Uh, we have the animation of the, uh, the, the penguins come up on screen and she's rolling her eyes and you get Jason Schwartzman and BJ Novak like awkwardly side-eyeing each other. It's quite cute. Um, but then we get, uh, which, what's the song that's sung? It's, it's Let's Go Fly a Kite that's then interspersed with shots of her dad, right? Yeah, so they're going to go through a few, there's a few scenes a little bit before that, including like um, the one after the the parents have torn up the, after Mr. Banks has torn up uh, their kind of, their kite, kind of, yeah. or like you know, their pictures and stuff, and they go to Mary Poppins, and Mary Poppins says, um, well, actually, you know, the person I'm, I feel most sorry for in this house is Mr. Banks, because Mr. Banks has to, uh, you know, he has to go to work every day in a jury old building, and he does it for you, and, you know, he doesn't get to be happy, and he doesn't get to have fun, and I, I feel bad for him. And then she just starts bawling. And yeah. while Disney's like, uh, don't worry, you know, he, he saved in the end, she's like, yeah, no, I just hate the penguins. <laughs> yes, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, I like that. It's funny. Um, but then, then we get Let's Go Fly a Kite. Um, and this is interspersed with shots of uh, Colin Farrell. And she starts, you know, smiling and then crying tears of joy. And and uh, there's shots of like them literally like riding off on a horse. And it's it's all very, very cute. And then we get the credits with the oh, actors goodness. shown across, like the, the actors alongside the actual photos of the real people. 
Um, and then at the very end of the credits, as referenced previously, um, they have an actual recording, one of the recordings from the writer's room uh, with the real P.L. Travers, which is really, really cute. Yeah. So that's the end of this film. Let's uh -huh. talk about this film. Let's talk about this film as a film first. We are exclusively yeah. going to ignore all of the context uh, behind it, which we will get into, and the historical inaccuracies. Let's sure. talk about this as a piece of visual medium. It's great fun. I yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah. The act, the acting is really, really good. Uh, Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks are both really good. I, I love B.J. Novak in anything. I think he is criminally underused. Um, uh, Jason Schwartzman B is also great. B.J. Novak. Um, yes. I only know from The Office. Does he only play dicks? <laughs> like, even uh, in this, he's still kind of a dick. <laughs> yes, yes, that does seem to be his typecast, but he does it very, very well. Um, it is at this point that I should make a confession. Yeah. Uh, that very much will affect my enjoyment oh, of this film. I know what I'm really pissed about this. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't, I don't I, think you know what you, I'm going to say. Have you ever seen Mary Poppins, Jamie? Have you ever no, seen Mary Poppins? No, I haven't. No, I've never seen Mary Poppins. <laughs> I've never seen Mary Poppins. So all the bits where, where, <laughs> like, where like they're singing, I've obviously, I've heard all the songs through cultural osmosis. I, I was familiar with every single song in this film, but I've never seen the film. Um, and so when they're doing all the, as much as I really did enjoy all the moments in, in the writer's room, when they're like doing all the songs and they're coming up with the songs, I feel like people who have seen the film are supposed to get this real elation of like, oh, look, they're doing it. They're doing it. That's the song. And I'm just like, cool. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm fully willing to accept that I'm one of the like 4% of the population for whom this will not be slightly as, slightly as much affecting for. Um, having said that, I did really enjoy it. But as someone who has seen Mary Poppins, what were your thoughts? Look, here's the thing. Um, Mary Poppins is a near perfect movie, like kids movie. Um, it's, you know, Julie Andrews is fantastic, fantastic songs. It's visually exciting as all heck. Dick Van Dyke, despite his, the worst Cockney ever accent ever recorded to film. It has a charm to it because it's the world of Mary Poppins, right? Like even Mary Poppins Returns with bloody Lim Miranda being a lamplighter or Alma Leary's being a Cockney, yeah, a bit of Lim Miranda is really lovely. And this film trades on a lot of the goodwill which you have from Mary Poppins. Um, yeah. And I, I, find it, I find it surprising and a good sign that you liked it despite not seeing it. I think for me, it's like, I like it. I think it's good. I think it a little bit like Mary Poppins Returns, though, like it, it sort of... It's very difficult to make, to make a movie about a movie which is fantastic. Yeah. And because... To some extent, it's not going to live up to it. So, as a as a background, kind of like, hey, here's a is a Disney version of the the making of the Mary Poppins. Sure, it's really enjoyable. You know, yeah. a fun time. Uh, I also did mention. I also think Colin Farrell, Farrell is really really good in this. I think Colin Farrell's good in this. I think. I think, I think yeah. um, we, oddly, it's it's probably Tom Hanks' best accent performance. I think, but that's maybe just because I don't know Missouri accent. Um, you know what? I'll be fully honest. Did not notice he was doing an accent. So yeah, he's good. doing he's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. The movie we accept as a movie, as a piece of visual art from beginning to end. Perfectly fine and good. Now is when we talk about the historical inaccuracies of this film. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this out there uh, and, and be very bold and say that making this movie was an evil act. 
I believe Whoa. it was an evil thing to do this. And I will now explain that by describing Backer. the historical inaccuracies. So um, the real story is that P.L. Travers did not like Mary Poppins the movie. Uh, she she never there are there are some conflicting reports, but at least very much at the premiere, yeah, she is quoted premiere. as being crying with tears of frustration and anger about what they did to her creation of Mary Poppins. Additionally, she there was no real like she signed. There's a, a scene in the movie which we sort of uh, went over, which is when he visits London, she signs this, uh, the contract because she never actually signs over the rights up until that point in the movie. That's not the case here. Before she even flew in in the real story, before she even flew to L.A., she uh, had signed the contract, but got script final script. Um, mm. uh, yeah. uh, what what final script confirmation, whatever. You, you know what I mean? She had but, the final say of the script. Final say over the script, but uh, Walt Disney very famously said to her, yeah, you had final say over the script, but you didn't have final say over the film editing, so uh, <laughs> go suck a dick. Um, and afterwards, she immediately came up to him after the first premiere and said she demanded the animation be removed, and he just said, Pamela, it's too late, and then walked away. Um, so so the real story, this is this is basically a completely fabricated uh, version oh, well, of events. It's, look, here's, here's the thing, right? Yes, like I agree with that, and I think there's. Uh, I I don't think that I think you'll get onto why you th- no, I'll let you get why, onto why, why you think it's yeah, evil. Why, and then why, I'll, why I think then it's I'll, purely I'll my, evil. My... So um so yeah so this is a a fabricated version of events. P. L. Travers did not enjoy uh, the the making uh, of this film. Did not she, approve of it. Sure, she did in later years. She did in later years. The film and like parts of the film. Like parts of the film. However, in her will, it says that nothing, none of her writings can ever be adapted by any American, specifically any American. That's why the stage musical, which was adapted in the nineties, uh, was adapted by English people and very specifically had none of the original creators, which meant the Sherman Brothers were not allowed to write original songs for the musical. Um, so. While I accept there may be some some disagreements about whether she just abjectly hated it for the rest of her life, at least by the premiere, she was not happy with it. And the film's representation of that is is incorrect. Uh, also, she also basically said that while Mary Poppins, like while Mary Poppins may have some uh, relationship to her life, she did not mm-hmm. write this as like an autobiographical thing. So all of the like all of the stuff that they relate to her father and stuff. While it may be an interesting uh, allegory, uh, it is expressly not what uh, P.L. Travers wrote Mary Poppins about. Um, now, let's take Disney from then. So I, I think that the, 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 the representation of the story mm-hmm. is incorrect. Now let's look at Disney now. Yeah. Uh, the Disney Corporation now, I know no, I've shown... The, I, specifically, I know do, I've, Disney in 2013. Disney in 2013, I will say. Okay, Which Disney in 2013. Different. Okay, well, I'm watching it in 2020, so I'm sure. saying Disney into that. The Fair Disney enough. Corporation right now is the most, one of the most evil corporations in existence. Um, they are, and it's specifically, specifically when it comes to, like, Disney are the reason we have stringent intellectual property yeah. laws 
at the moment. And if you even draw an outline of Mickey Mouse and put it on Twitter, Disney's lawyers will be knocking down your door. So I think that this film is nothing short of Disney propaganda and that it is actively evil to make a film about you taking someone else's intellectual property and doing not what they want with it and making your own thing and then lying about how you did that in a movie to make yourself seem like absolute gods of all media. And that is why I would like to bring it back to fucking Mickey Mouse walking P.L. Travers into the cinema. This movie is propaganda. If this movie was made by a Chinese company, like full of like the, the largest Chinese media company that owned 30% of all media, we would be laughing at how absurd it is. Okay. So, so I think this give, movie I'm is evil. Give, I'm going to give my repost and I will okay. predicate it by saying I agree that I believe a lot of Disney's business practices are um, nasty and I, more importantly, I don't think they uh, inherently produce better art, right? The, the argument no. always goes, oh, well, you know, uh, sure, Disney buys Fox, Disney can put the Fantastic Four in the movies, but they also then fire like half of all the people who ever worked at Fox, right? Yeah. Um, I don't, and I, in reality, like I, I was rewatching Avengers Infinity War yesterday, and I thought to myself, this was really fun in the cinemas, and I do not care that much for this on home rewatching. Disney makes really good cinema movies at the moment. They don't make particularly good movies which last. Um, unlike a lot, uh, except for the animation department, which I think does. Um. And I will also predicate it by saying, like, I, 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 evil is a strong word. <laughs> yes, it, it, uh, I would, I, I would like to predicate your, before your argument by saying I might be slightly exaggerating yes. for entertainment. And, and, and I, and I recognize that. Yeah. I, I, so I, I am not calling you evil. I'm not calling I you evil for liking oh, this movie. Sure. No, no, I, I, get, I get that. I get that. So I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the companies that produce weapons of mass destruction. Or, or, I don't know, <laughs> yes. Guns I'm, uh, or yes, whatever. Perhaps sure, there are slightly sure. more evil people in the it's, world. It's one of those things where people always go like, EA is the most evil company in the world. I'm like, EA is not the most evil company in the world. There are companies it's, which produce it's like... It's the Disney Corporation. Obviously. Obviously. Look, I think the film somewhat tries to, not tries, but in in that speech with Tom Hanks, I think the film semi self consciously reckons with this a little bit, where it sort of it talks about the legacy of the past and what do you do with, what do you do with figures who are incredibly flawed, um, and in the context there, it's about their fathers, and in a way, it's also about those two as characters, right? P.L. Travers was not known for being likable. She was not a nice person. She wrote, no. uh, uh, she wrote yeah, books, I will accept that. which people loved. And I, hey, hey, in the modern world, I think we can all understand uh, having worlds in which there are books you love and authors who you don't. Um, <laughs> right now, uh, come on, guys, sort your shit out. Um, and it, what do you, the, and the film's case basically is that, like, isn't it just nicer just to let go of these of some of the like resentments of the past and like wouldn't it be nicer if uh wouldn't it be nice if everyone just was nice to disney instead let's just forget that disney has horrible past i I think and also horrible present that's what i don't like is i think the film would be saved not be saved would be better (laughs) but for two shots so specifically on our anti-capitalist corporate corporate agenda um one is when she is in bed and hugs Mickey Mouse in bed. I, I'm surprised you went over that. Which is, yeah, she's lonely in bed, that. so she gets the giant Mickey Mouse plushie and she <laughs> oh, hugs it. Oh fuck! I forgot about that. 
the three shots actually. The, the second one is when she's sitting about to sign the contract and she's put the giant Mickey Mouse opposite her as though Mickey Mouse's boot is on her <laughs> neck. <laughs> this film is propaganda, Alexander. And then the third scene, of course, is, is Mickey Mouse walking her down the aisle uh, to her grave. Uh, look, it's it's with a corporation as influential as nasty. Disney. That I agree that that I feel is like. And look, this film was produced. Is I know it's distributed by uh, Disney and one other company, but it's produced by four companies. One of which is BBC Films, which I find deeply hilarious. <laughs> but um, so you know. I, I don't know the extent to which Disney had influence over the movie. I hope I, I either it's a lot or which I would actually prefer because otherwise like they just made a piece of these choices were just weird. But yeah. like what it feel it I agree. It feels like a weird, overly aggressive and intrusive metaphor about like you artists need to bow down to Disney. Like no matter yeah. what you will come to love the mouse. And like, yeah, <laughs> that is just odd. Like, I, I think that is weird. Like, um, and and you know what? And that's taking apart, taking away any parts of like. I think maybe PL Travers should have just accepted. Like, hey, maybe a fun kids version, kids saccharine version of my book would be nice. Like, most of what Disney <laughs> adapts is from dead authors anyway, so they can't complain. And that's, um, but like, no, take like. As much as the Mary Poppins film that was made was very fun and great, and and do I think that it shouldn't have been made in the way it was made, even though I haven't fucking seen it? Um, no, it it should have absolutely been made in the way it's made, and it's a fantastic film. But to then eighty years later, basically That's, just yeah. completely lie about this woman's entire life and lie about what she thought about you specific. Okay, so I I'm gonna piss you off tomorrow i'm gonna piss you off and make you an enemy of me you're gonna not like me for the you for the rest of my life you're i don't know i'm um oh right i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna adapt i thought you said this in real life i didn't realize this is hypothetical no no this is hypothetical this is hypothetical i'm gonna adapt i'm gonna take hank swank away from you and i'm gonna i'm gonna replace you and i'm gonna cast someone else as you i'm gonna make a no a whole new version of hank swank completely without you you're gonna resent me for the rest of my life you're then going to die. And then 20 years after that, I'm going to make a film about how you willing, how I, through the kindness of my own heart, convinced you to willingly part ways with Hanks Bank because you were just a curmudgeonly cunt. And, and really it was better without you and that I was the one who was making the true art. Um... I got slightly lost in the weeds, yeah, but this film is evil and it's propaganda, and I think it shouldn't have been made. Um, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't think it shouldn't have been. I think for me, I don't think it shouldn't have been made. I just think it's a weird example of what feels like a totalitarian corporatist nightmare, and like yeah. I, I think it's really good, and I think if, if you don't think about the real events. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's great. In fact, and I think when you think fact, about I would like to call out my own girlfriend, Ellen, who told me that RL, like, before I watched the movie, was P. just like, oh, L. Travers. P. L. Fuck. 
God, I'm as being as disrespectful to her as the Disney Corporation. Um, uh, who, uh, my own government, who told me before I watched it, <laughs> by the way, just so you know, P.L. Travert actually hated Mary Poppins, <laughs> the movie, till the end. And then it ruined my whole enjoyment of the movie because the whole time I was watching it being like, wow, this fucking sucks. I hate um, to say so, it, but Ellen is a reply guy, all right? Ellen is yeah, just in your mentions absolutely. and she's just ruining stuff. So, she's like the person who goes around being like, do you know John Lennon beat his wife? And you're like, <laughs> okay. you know what, dude? Um, like, I can yeah. listen to fucking Hey Jude and you know, move yeah, move on. Like, life. watch this movie without any of the context, and it's a perfectly good movie. I really enjoyed it, which is why I said I wanted to remove re- re- it sure. as a movie yeah, and then bring in the context. Um, so, for people who listen uh, haven't listened to this podcast before, uh, we review this on. We need to get through this now. I'm literally dehydrated. I think I have sweated so much. We've been recording for like an hour and a half. Um, so we review uh, films on three. Um, categories we rate the film out of five we rate tom mm. hanks's performance out of five and then we do the tom hanks dick meter how much of a dick is tom hanks's character in this film and then we decide <laughs> whether it goes in the hanks bank <laughs> oh yeah you wait for that one my guy um so uh this film out of five what are you gonna give it al uh i'll give it a four i think it's a really well made film um and I, th- I think it's enjoyable like like as as a piece of media i think it's good as a uh, you know i don't expect art to inherently be representative of life or true to life so yeah, cool. that's fair um what what's the lowest i've ever given have i given jesus a zero <laughs> have i given us yeah i've given a zero before uh, i'm giving this a minus one jesus <laughs> i i genuinely feel that this is literally disney propaganda and as disney is one of the most influential corporations in the world it's it's not it's like I, I i can't support it having said that i respect anyone who likes this film i also like this film i would just like this one minus one to be my one stand against the disney corporation jimmy <laughs> sorry i want to say you've been shilling, shilling. so hard yes, for I disney know. for the last like ever since disney plus came out you monster Absolutely. i know you sit I'm there in your hypocritical throne of lies i would also tom give myself a minus one um tom Hanks' performance what are you gonna give it um, I like it. I think it's good. I don't think it's particularly amazing. I would arguably call this period of Tom Hanks's career. Tom Hanks tries to get an Oscar as an older man. Um, yep. like from Captain yep. Phillips onwards, I think he is going for films, which he thinks may get him nominated for an Oscar. Uh, we know that Emma, uh, Thompson did win a Golden Globe for this. Uh, she wasn't did nominated she? for the, yeah, oh. uh, she was nominated for a lot of awards. She wasn't nominated in the Oscars. Uh, the film did win one Oscar. I think it's in sound editing. Um, that would make yeah. sense. Um, so, wait, so what are you going to give him? Oh, uh, give him a four as well. I think it's good. Four. I just don't think it's particularly yeah. anything. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I actually really liked him in this. As much as I, I disagree with the characterization, um, I, I think in what he needs to do in this, the exact role he needs to play, which is this, this almost cloying, like, like obsequious human being um he's great and he he he, he really <laughs> he plays that very well as so i'm gonna give him a 4.5 I, I liked him in this um the tom hanks dick meter i'm gonna give him a 19 <laughs> i'm coming in strong with a 19 for walt disney i i don't think that is representative of um <laughs> of how he actually is in the film in the film he's actually quite nice but uh firstly i'm giving him uh, a four uh, so I'm going to add this up. I'm giving him a four for not inviting P.L. Travis to the yeah, fucking was premiere. That's the, such a dick move. Uh, and then I'm giving him 15 for being the representation of the Disney Corporation, which adds up to a nice round 19. 
you hypocrite. Uh, yep. Look, I, I would like to give him a 20, Jamie, except, and this is very important, he doesn't torture anyone. So, of course, I will give him a two. Yeah. You're giving him a two. You're giving him a two. Oh, 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 I'm Jamie. I'm sorry. As the man who's been bending over for the last <laughs> three months, Look, looping I... yourself up for Disney Plus and telling all our listeners just to bend over and get ready for <laughs> Disney Plus to take over their lives, even though it has shit all content, my man. Are you surprised that I will sit here on my throne of Disney dicks? All right. <laughs> um, and is this film going in your Hanks bank, Alexander? No, it's a good film, but no. Uh, that's interesting. I don't think it's often you've given a four and not put it in your Hanks bank. But um... I just don't think it's. This, I, re, I the issue is, it's like if you watched this and I was to talk about a film, would you say the world? I would say Mary Poppins, and I can't. I can't. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a surrounding Mary Poppins film, which is not better than Mary Poppins, and therefore I wouldn't say is like worth saving over that film. Yeah, unsurprising that the film that I gave a minus one is also not going in my Hanks bank. Um, so when we don't put something in our Hanks bank, uh, we have to say what we think is going to save humanity this week. What are we going to present to the aliens? Uh, I'll give you a little minute to think, Alexander, because I've got mine this week. Um, a new game just came out called Fall Guys. Uh, it is on PlayStation 4 and the PC. And the only way I can describe it is like Takeshi cartoon Takeshi's Castle, uh, except everyone is running the same obstacle course at the same time. And it's great fun. I've been playing it the last couple of days, and I just think it's a really fun game. So me and all the aliens, we're going to chill and we're going to play some Fall Guys. Uh, what are you presenting to the aliens this week? Mary Poppins. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's really genuinely. I think that movie is near perfect. I think Julie Andrews is incredibly fantastic in it. She has a fantastic voice. I think Dick Van Dyke is funny, even though he's weird as hell in that movie. It makes me cry. Uh, most of the music just by itself will instinctively make me tear up. Um, when I am scared to this day, I will sing Let's Go Fly a Kite because that's what I sing when I'm scared. If I'm on a roller coaster Aww. and I'm going at the roller coaster, I sing Let's Go Fly a Kite and it makes me feel Aww. braver. And Mary Poppins is a really great film. Uh, I I don't. I would say for you, save it till if you ever have a kid, and then watch it with them, because <laughs> I think enough. that would be a, a better emotional experience. Uh, I'm not sure how it would how, feel how, to that film as an yeah, adult. Twenty seven year old me, how how I'm just going to relate to to Mary Poppins, maybe yeah. not. Um, so that's what we're going to present to the aliens this week. You're going to be showing the Mary Poppins. I'm going to be playing a dumb fucking online video game. And with that, of course, you can follow us at Pod at Jamie P. Loxton at Al underscore C's underscore stuff. What else can they do, Alexander? Guys, uh, what I want you to do is go back and uh, just, re you know, re-listen to your favorite episodes. And then I want you to go to your friends and I want you to tell your friends, hey guys, Hanksbank, super cool. I know, I know you're quarantining, all right? I know you're far away from people. Just get a megaphone, stand on a bridge and for an hour each day, promise me this, you will go there and go, listen to Toy Story 3's episode where we talk about the inevitable nature of death, friendship and happiness. Uh... And after you've listened to that Toy Story 3 episode, of course, next week you can listen to another Toy Story episode. We've got Toy Story that oh, time God. forgot. Of course, it would only be appropriate that we, we just either side of Saving Mr. Banks uh, watch two Toy Story uh, short films. So join us for that next week. And now, normally I try and build up and try to get something funny to end, but I'm worried that the amount of sweat that I've dripped on this microphone is going to break it if we record for even 30 more seconds. So from me, Jamie, and my co-host Al, that's one more ep in the bank. Hey, hey, Jamie!
I'm buying your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We did a whole episode on Disney and you kept that till an hour and a half in. Corporate (laughs) surgery. Hank's back.